0: Broadcasting from the commodity capital of the world, Zurich, Switzerland, this is Insider's Guide to Energy.
1: This edition of Insider's Guide to Energy is brought to you by Prodectus. Go to www.prodectus.com for more information. Welcome to Insider's Guide to Energy. Today we have Marcus Wims from RWE, Head of Accounting Processes. Marcus, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you this evening. Um, tell me a little bit, or tell our listeners a little bit about your career, where you're at, and how you got there before we really dive into the technology.
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, uh yeah, so um, basically from from a from a studying background or back study background I was um studying business informatics. Um so sort of um gearing towards a role between business and IT um pretty much. Um I've done an apprenticeship in Germany and then uh, a proper uh, a proper university um, uh, studies um, and um, worked with ThyssenKrupp, uh, so a big steel company in Germany for for quite a while before joining RWE in 2011. And um, I've been working in the trading department of RWE, so um, RWE Supply and Trading, for, for quite a while in the back office. Um, and in 2018, I switched over to the corporate holding, so RWE AG, and I'm in charge of the uh, accounting shared services, um, to put it in one sentence. Yeah.
1: So I, I guess I'll, I'll ask more about that in a bit. I, I guess I'm listening to the history. And so you came from back office, you moved to accounting services. So, so what are some milestones in your career in the back office that, that you feel proud of or things that you've worked on that you think changed the business or moved the business forward?
0: So I think um uh, obviously trading is is a quite a, a specialized business and um uh, it took me a few years to to get a grip of everything that goes around in back office mainly obviously confirmations and settlements and I think that the two two things that I'm I'm most keen uh, about or um am most pr- proud of if you want to put it that way is um being in quite a large project um within the trading entity where we've upgraded our uh, Um, complete trading suite so um, uh, we did a a major version upgrade and back in back during that time we uh, I had to basically step up and and um, uh, uh, yeah manage that for 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 our back office uh, function within the within the trading company um, uh, due to a few people not being available and um, I think that's what actually put me uh, towards the um, uh, towards the next step understanding our trading system and our back office part in it pretty much in and out um i then um started working in industry working groups um and um, we were able around 2000 12, 13, we were able to to revive a discussion around um, ESM a little bit more again. Um and um yeah, I enjoyed working with um, a lot of very, very good people in the trading, especially in the back office community uh in Europe, um, which um yeah, which I look back to very, very fondly.
1: So, so back office sometimes seems almost a little thankless, um, because it's a <laughs> lot of backlog, little things like that. Maybe that's just my perception from working with back office quite a bit. It, it, so, but what I did see with RWE, it seems like a very progressive, um, investment in, in technology. Uh, so, so was it really a strategic initiative? Is there a huge competitive advantage doing it? Is it just cost reduction? Why so much focus at RWE on that?
0: Yeah. Thanks for, for, for calling it thankless, first of all.
1: <laughs> um, no, no. It's, that's, it's just, that's, you know, sometimes sometimes you, you're working hard and it doesn't yeah. seem to get noticed. Sometimes I'll talk to traders and stuff and they don't always know the process that's taking place behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Th- same is true for accounting, by the way. So um, I, I seem to have a knack for thankless jobs. But uh, <laughs> um, but the, the key thing is that um, uh, the one thing that I always... Told starters within back offices that uh, it's a great place to start within the trading entity because you get to know every other function um, by a very simple simple fact. Whoever messes up along the trade lifecycle, it always ends up in back office too to um to having it fixed yeah so um, it's an excellent um, um environment to learn if you really want to understand um trading uh, obviously you won't learn anything about um uh, about portfolio building but um when it comes down to the actual trade life cycle you'll learn a whole lot and to be honest, um, um when we were um, in that situation within RWE, we just had upgraded our trading system, uh, we just had uh, connected it with our ERP system, and it was a, quite a a nice and tight and lean architecture that we that we were finding. Um, and that pretty much gave us the perspective at the still unautomated Steps within the process, um, and then being able to actually having a a network within the industry and trying to build some momentum and push others to think in the same direction. Um, that was more the the, the background of this um, of this venture.
1: So, so you said you worked um, on the standards committee. Mm -hmm. how does that work so you've got a bunch of disparate interests what are some of the common interests that you are able to find between let's say an rwe and other large traders in in europe that you are able to move standards forward right because sometimes Mm -hmm. things stall there so how did you manage that
0: yeah so so standardization work especially in these industry committees is, is exceptionally hard because everyone has a slightly different agenda however um um the back office community within Europe is, is exceptionally well connected. I think um, we just were very, very lucky that we found a, a group large enough of like-minded people that were looking at um, uh, at um, at their processes. Um, all of the companies in Europe had gone through a, a large cycle of um, uh, uh Of building requirements uh, with regards to reporting, uh, remit, emir, you know all of this, um, uh, all of these requirements. Every company had gone through it and pretty much had learned that um, everyone shares in broader, uh, in broader, uh, um, uh, in broader understanding the same the same problems. And everyone needs to fulfill certain requirements, and everyone is trying to solve. The same problems in some way. Uh, w- what is different? Um, uh, the, the only difference is in the architectures that all of us have um, at home, if you will. Um, everyone is, is working with a slightly different ERP, with a slightly different trading suite. We, however, um, you're trying to solve the same the same business problems. And after that cycle of um, uh, of reporting and um, uh, uh, and all of the stuff that was going on in the Amy and remote space and um, everyone was quite hungry to to look at their business processes again and i think um the combination of the people um the appetite to actually standardize a process again and some good very very good groundwork that was done in 2008 already or, or that sort of was the combination that allowed us to, to take this or make this conversation alive again and actually deliver something.
1: So so you did deliver something before you moved on. Mm. And now you're in, in an accounting role. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me a little bit about what, what that means. So, I, I mean, I think our listeners probably understand the back office and understand a lot of the technology there. Yeah. But tell us about the transition and what you do today.
0: Yeah, so... Um, uh, first of all, it, it was a little bit sad for me because, um, I, I did a lot of the work before, but, um, uh, I, I, um, th- the team that I, that I left there was, uh, is still great. Um, and they are keeping it, uh, keeping it alive. So I'm very, very proud of, um, the work we've done until I left and I'm even prouder of them of delivering and continuing the work, um, and actually putting it alive. So, um. Shout out to them. Uh, and they then basically switched over to um, uh, having to help a little bit in the merger that happened between Eon and RWE. So um, it's a slightly less technological topic of um, uh, building a shared service center that is to serve a, a, a quite diverse uh, uh corporates yeah with with uh, renewables on the one end and uh, uh, open cast mines and uh, large power stations at the at the other end and pretty much everything else in between um and the accounting bits of it so I'm, i still have a, a good view of what is happening in the trading entity um but the um uh, the um uh, the learnings i've i've taken out of the standardization work that we had to do and um just organizing um, how you can look at technologies and put them into into implementation that still helps me in my in my new job because obviously within the accounting space um, uh, there's there's a lot of movement as well machine learning or PA um, and all of these new fancy buzzwords that um, just wait to be put into action for um, sometimes very stringent and very standardizable processes like accounting.
1: So. So it sounds like you, you moved a bit away from the technology, but then you, you mentioned a bunch of the buzzwords in technology. Hmm. So are you working on a project or is there something that, that is there? I mean, you know, so you, you focused on electronic settlement matching before you set, you focused on confirmation in the past life. Um, you know, those things have come into reality. Uh, is there is there an extra horizon in your new role of things that you're looking to do or focus on?
0: To be honest, there's a, there's a nice connecting factor because um, uh, obviously um, uh, invoicing or e-invoicing, which was the core of ESM, is, um, has become sort of a token within Europe. So the EU direct has, has passed a directive that will introduce um, um, uh, electronic invoicing in a business-to-business context. It, it already has introduced it in some countries in a business-to-government um, uh, uh, context um and that's what i'm what i'm looking at um again basically um and i'm now trying to solve that problem and looking at the technology that we need behind that not only in a let's say in the niche that is trading and the settlement of trading but as um uh, as a task that um, i need to solve for a, a whole german corporate uh, utility um and uh, try to find the different um, uh, the different um, cash flows, the different um, invoicing flows, the different processes that all of our different um, corporate branches have and then to unite them, uh, um, ideally behind a solution that um, can can help with settlement and e-invoicing in that regard. Um, uh, that is a very, very similar problem. Um, we're just looking at very different technology because we can't be that niche we can't be that exclusive. It needs to be something that works with pretty much Every company out there that is in somehow, in some way, um, uh, connected with us and um, delivering us services or getting services delivered from us. Um, And um, I loved ESM because it was quite niche and uh, uh, the the companies that you worked with um, were quite specific and the uh, services that you've exchanged were quite specific. So um, the problem now is uh, a multitude more complex, uh, but still. but it seems like a
1: more crowded space as well right yeah
0: exactly there's
1: there's a plethora of e-invoicing companies out there that are generic right i think from from my experience in the technology is they may be too generic too too generic right and then and then it may be hard to meet your your specific industry needs and that that's why at least with electronic settlement that that came to fruition right nobody knew the nuance of of the energy industry or basically commodity to be pretty pretty frank about it. it doesn't matter which commodity uh, but the nuance was was very specialized that the off the shelf type solutions weren't even close i i think
0: exactly um so the the beauty about esm was that um uh you had a very very specific set of clients, a very very specific set of available technologies, and a pretty clearly defined uh, business process so you so we were able to cut right through the fat and and just implement something that would sort of 90% work for everyone and the rest, the rest of those 10%, everyone can tinker around in in their own, in their own architecture. Um, But being an IT guy by trade, I look at the problem that I'm looking at now. And uh, obviously um, uh, you look at different technologies, you look at adaption rates, you look at um, uh, uh, compatibility with, with, um, uh, with other companies. And uh, um, I think we're making good progress there.
1: So, so how is the industry evolving? So, you know, what I've seen in the last couple of years of being the energy business is, you know, there, there was a digital transformation, but I think there's a bigger transformation is the industry's transforming, right? Whether you be yes. trading, uh, whether you're trading changes to renewables, or whether you're a former big oil company and you're, you're trying to do something different. So it seems like the only constant is change. So, yes. so what do you see on the horizon for, from your point of view, which is just changing?
0: Um, so, obviously, which is a very German perspective to be to be fair, but there is there's a giant shift towards renewables um, in Germany and in Europe as a whole. Um, with renewables becoming very, very competitive in terms of production price, um, uh, obviously um, there is a, a big race now in in, um, in in accumulating renewable production capacity because it is a business where you need to have a certain amount of. Um, a, some, a certain amount of volume to actually be successful. That's why we are growing our renewables division quite, quite substantially. And every other, um, every other player in the in the top 10 in Europe is, is doing the same thing. Um, and uh, the, the shift is, is quite substantive because um, for us, obviously it's um, moving the, um, uh, moving the, the, the old um, uh, nuclear hard coal, um, uh, lignite uh, production capacities um, and mothballing them. Um, I mean, just this week we actually retired our last two hard coal power plants. Um, which, for a company like RWE, was uh, for 120 years pretty much uh, our business model. Um, but on the other hand, I can see um, uh, we're comfortably growing and aggressively growing, even uh, in the renewable space, over the next few years. And For me, within my business or within within my de- uh, within my task, that means that. Um, uh, we're shifting away from entities that are quite large and have large document volumes and uh, huge amounts of suppliers to smaller, very, very more, um, uh, very, very much um, uh, uh, scalable entities. Yeah? So, um, the same business volume that I had to tackle for a power plant, I can now serve at least 15, 20, if not 30, um, uh, onshore or offshore um, uh, entities with.
1: So so from what I understand is also if you move from those large coal plants or nuclear plants or other plants, you get to a more distributed with the renewable tends to be a more distributed kind of architecture. Yes. Um, how does that impact, you know, from from your current role and the tools you use? Um, I mean, do the same old tricks work or do you need to reinvent <laughs> or what do you, what do you need to do to, to stay current in that?
0: I think the, the the main success criteria for us at the moment are standardization. Um, actually, you know, building processes that are automa- uh, automatable and, and just um, uh, that work automated and touchless um, from the first step, so that they can scale properly. Um, I think these are the um, uh, these are the criteria that um, we try to implement at the moment. You know, have one process and then. Just automate it to the to the furthest possible extent. Um, make them touchless so that um, uh, they they run without um, without any any uh, human impact needed.
1: Um, so is that a cost consideration or is that a scaling consideration or both? Scaling. So it's That's, scaling.
0: I think it's it's mostly scaling because um, obviously you always have um, you know as soon as as as, as uh, uh, human labor is is. Is entitled you. You always have a cost factor connected to that, but um, I think um, with the renewables business being a being a very strongly growing business at the moment, the scale is, is the thing. You don't want to you don't want to scale up in effort as long as you grow. You want to define a proper process and then just um, have the same effort, regardless if you want to run it a hundred or a thousand or a million times.
1: So I guess the, the one thing I hear when I hear you talk about the standard anonymization, automated, I can't speak, <laughs> the process, um, is commodity. It, it becomes more and more commodity, right? So energy yes. is already commodity, right? By, de- by definition, it's yes. commodity, but as, as you basically distribute these things and, and make it all standardized how do you make your business stand out is it purely scale that, that does it or what what makes you different than any competitor at that point
0: I think um, um, obviously the, the role that you want to be in 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 a market like like electricity gas and so far and so on is um, being a market maker right that's the that's the position where where um, you um, uh, produce or where you deliver the most value to your, your customers um, and where you have a certain responsibility to drive the market, not only make it happen, but also um, develop it further, yeah? So um, if you're looking at the electricity market, it cuts down into smaller and smaller increments. Um, uh, the market started out where you would trade um, uh, baseline and, uh, uh, and peaks, um, and it then cut down to hours, it cut cut down to half hours, it cut down to fifteen minutes. Um, and uh, these are these are the steps that you as a company want to develop. yeah so these are the products where you want to be able to slice and dice it for your customers um, uh, closer and closer to their actual requirements. Um, and uh, to be able to do that, you need really scalable processes. If you have a process that works with an hourly increment, um, and you can just ha- you can just have it automated so you can scale it down to you know to the minute if you want to and that not driving your effort in actually de- delivering that process that's the ultimate target that you want to work towards too and that's why i think the decentralization of the electricity market um, asks for as well
1: so I, I guess you know as we're starting to run out of time here come up against mm-hmm. the end of the show um so i, I I hear that and I see where it's going. So if you had, let's say, one of your children and they wanted to go into the energy business, would you recommend it? And what would you have them do to go into the business to go be successful in the future?
0: I would definitely recommend it. I love the industry simply because it's it's so basic. You know, um, It's not a product like Coca-Cola or a BMW. It's not a product that everyone on the street recognizes and connects with something. For most people, electricity just comes out of... Um, uh, out of the socket right, and uh you know if you wanna most for most people thinking about their 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 local their local supplier um the company that they pay to to deliver them electricity uh, that's already that's already the the, the biggest um uh, uh the biggest uh, identification that 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 there is they don't think about the larger companies like us that actually produce the electricity um, and you can view that as a bad thing i don't i think it is a very very secure a very very basic thing um uh, i think covid-19 just showed that um uh, pretty pretty clearly because um uh, uh, in our company it just invoked a spirit of being, being being very relevant because if everyone is sitting at home, if everyone is using their their devices, their screens, and and everything else, um, electric power is the key thing for that. Um, and I consider myself very very lucky working in a company that um, uh, that uh, delivers this as a value to or as a value to society um, uh, is has pretty much um, uh, uh, gone through COVID without any kind of working time shortcuts or any, any kind of impact. Um, uh, on the opposite, it, it loaded our work with with a from my perspective special special meaning. Um, and also it's a market that never stands still. Um, because um, the question how we produce our energy in a kind in a time where e-mobility is on the rise, where everything just gets more digitized, electricity is the the key thing for this. So um, I think it's very, very safely, um, uh, a line of work that you can, that you can jump into and, and know that you will have a job and an interesting one at that for the next 50 years.
1: Fantastic. Now, would you recommend more an accounting path and account, a back office <laughs> path or a trading path or, or an engineering path, I suppose? Uh,
0: to be honest, um, what always worked for me is, um, uh, I never looked at, uh, at a line of work and imagine myself i always went with what i was good at and i think that's what everyone should should do so um surely you need to find um uh, uh, interesting work that you know makes you excited to go to work every day more importantly you, know, you need to find a group of people that you want to do that work with yeah um and um uh, just have a look at your talents you know if you if you're mathematical numerical um then have a shot at trading it's it's really um uh, it's really interesting and uh, it is a real real challenge to to get through how markets function if you're more administrative if you're more um um, if you're more uh, uh you know uh, a nine to five guy then have a shot at uh, a credit have a, sh- a shot at uh, accounting if you will um uh, a lot of interesting work is is laying in there as well and if you're more i.t focused then uh take your pick because the the first two that i just named will need both um and <laughs> we we'll need more of it um uh, for the next few years as
1: well Fantastic. Well, I think most of our listeners are past that part of their career. I just kind of think how how bullish you are on on the industry is what I was trying to gauge. And it seems like you're pretty positive on it. Yeah. Uh, I I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And we we hope to speak to you again in the future. Uh, Thank you for making time for us in the audience today.
0: Thanks for having me. I had loads of fun doing this interview. Thank you.